It really is good to be with you. We have been out for two weeks, and I've so missed being at home. I must be honest, I prefer being at home than away, and, uh, which I think is probably a good thing. But um, we were in Grace Life Church on the bluff on the first weekend we were away, and we were up in Joburg with Upper Room with uh, the Caters who lead that church um, last weekend, and I, we asked them to just send a little video clip just to, so that you can put some faces to the places that we are ministering into. So Shepard, if you wouldn't mind just playing that, uh, the first one of the two. I'm not sure which one's going to come up first, but Craig and Dawn, there we go. Hey Glenridge. Hello, good uh, to see you. Yes, I am Craig. This is Dawn. And uh, we are from Grace Life Church here on the Bluff yep. in beautiful Durban, uh, just down the road from you guys. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, we just want to say this morning just a huge thank you to Stan and Heather, of course, Brandon Chantel with us last weekend. What a, a phenomenal time, powerful time Amen. that we had. And, uh, um, you know, I, we shared something of our little small journey with Grace Life last Sunday as, as an intro uh, when Stan and Heather got up. And uh, just we've known them for 20 years. You know, and uh, finally it feels like the Lord has kind of brought us back uh, into wonderful uh, full-on partnership again, which yes. is so exciting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just want to say thank you so much for releasing them and letting them come over across to us, um, over to us and uh, bring such amazing revelation and uh, love and power. Our, our guys absolutely loved their ministry yes. and uh, loved the worship. Brandon, thank you again, my friend. Yeah. Amazing, amazing worship. Yeah, and we're just so thrilled to be able to be on this journey together. Yeah. It is so comforting, it's so encouraging. It's yeah. such a wonderful spur on uh, where we've got the same vision and uh, the same desires to see the King and His Kingdom mm, just outworked all around us. Yeah. So we just value and appreciate everything of the investment, the seed that was sown, Come on, the rich life. word yes. uh, that Stan shared. Yeah. Uh, even during lockdown, he, he shared a message for, for the community that yeah. we were able to show online. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they've just been such a blessing. But this time specifically was just, again, uh, just an awesome time mm, to be together. Very good. We really feel blessed. Yeah. And again, thank you so much uh, for all, of you've done, all that you've done. Uh, Glenridge, he, Stan and Heather love you guys. Uh, they are so proud of you guys. Thank you for all your service and all your hard work and all your pressing. And we know that Hebrews, uh, God tells us in Hebrews that he is not unjust. He will not forget the love we have shown him as we help his people and continue to help them. So I want to tell you, great is your reward in heaven. Yeah. Thank you again yeah. from Craig and Dawn. And uh, we can't wait for the next time. Absolutely. Bless you guys. We will see you very soon. Bye. Can good things come from the bluff? Yes, they can. This is, uh, this is Anton and Ange. Upper Room Church in Johannesburg. Glennies, I just want to thank you so much for sending Stan and Heather, uh, Greg and Taryn to us this last weekend. We had such a good time with them. They blessed us and our hearts are just so enlarged by what they brought. The thing that comes to mind is the parable of the mustard seed. And I want to just encourage you that kingdom seed has kingdom potential in it. And that's exactly what has happened. Stan and Heather and just the Glenridge team brought just such kingdom seed and left it with us. And we feel so encouraged and so envisioned. So thank you so much for releasing them. Yes, Glennies, thank you so much. I feel pumped. Pumped is the only word I can think of. <laughs> but we were so chuffed to spend time with people that we call friends, not just people in ministry, but our friends. So we look forward to seeing them and some of your faces again soon. Bye.
cool, eh? Just, um, friends, we are called to impact and change the nations of the world. And the way, one of the ways that we do that is to invest ourselves into, and God does that through the local church. And part of what God has for this house is to encourage and, and strengthen local churches to be able to, and plant local churches, and then encourage and strengthen them so that they can become what they call to be. And uh, thank you for releasing us. It was an amazing time. And uh, really, really, actually, Lefefe and myself got up to Maritzburg this afternoon to the One Life Men's Camp. We are, we're on thing there, on preaching there. So it's an amazing, it's just an incredible outflow. Um, the, 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 what's your names again? Macmillans. The Macmillans are going to be ministering in a couple of months' time down the south coast. Christian has got a ministry to old people, to old age homes at the moment. A true, true story. He's been invited. Um, into he preached down in Toti a, a few a few weeks ago, and from that there's just become this kind of calling and please come and come and minister to us. So it's an incredibly encouraging thing that God is using us, just us, simple us, to impact other places. So really, really encouraged. For those that didn't that missed that kind of or, or kind of thinking, what, we stopping the online video uh, YouTube uh, kind of expression on a Sunday purely because we don't need that anymore and uh, we actually want people to be here not there and um, but we are all of our stuff is recorded so on the pod there's podcasts and on our website um, you kind of actually if you if you really want to be honest it's better to get this one than that one because this one is more marinated you've kind of done it once already and uh, I said to Raymond hey Raymond how did it go he said you must listen to the you must listen to Sunday's one not the Thursday one and uh, not that there was anything wrong with Thursday's one, but um, so really that's what we're doing now. We're going to put our investment and our resource into, into some other things rather than doing those Sunday preachers on YouTube. So I've preached this message in both those churches already that I'm going to preach this morning. Greg was meant to preach on repentance and uh, he was sick this weekend, so I kind of couldn't pull it all together. So I said, no, actually, I need to preach this preach anyway. So it's actually cool. And um, so we've been a, we, God's been speaking to us about Joshua and crossing over and what does that look like and moving into the promised land and not just crossing over, but actually also, um, let me just get my time on here, but, but also taking hold of what God's got for us. Friends, God didn't save us to cross the Jordan. That was the beginning of what God has for us. God saved us. Actually, the saving work of crossing the Jordan was kind of what, that's the beginning. But actually what God called us to do was to lay hold of his promises, of his purposes, in a land that he would call ours. And, uh, and to lay hold of an inheritance. But to do that, you've got to be prepared. And so what I want to talk about this morning is four things that help us prepare, that God uses or God puts back into, through Joshua, into the people of God so that they can not only get into the land but stay in the land and continuing to grow in the land. And these four things are absolutely key to any believer's life where you are saying, God, what's next for me? Actually, God, I've, I've got this thing. I've got to press into it. If you can get these four things right, you'll, you'll go in lay hold of and keep hold of what God has for you. So Joshua chapter five, just for those 
um, that, don't, um, that kind of don't know the story is the people of God are in slavery in Egypt for 400 odd years. And God moves them, God wants to, hears their cries. It's quite amazing that, that um, Egypt initially was a place of protection and safety for them in a famine. And very quickly it became a place of sla slavery. And people changed, Pharaoh changed, and now they get enslaved for 400 years. God says, no, that's not, my, that's not what I had for you. I've got things for you. You are my people. You to represent me. So he frees them through the, the plagues and all sorts of, Pharaoh, Pharaoh doesn't want to let them go. And God says, no, you will let them go. And just before he lets them go, they enjoy a table in the midst of their enemies. Like we sang this morning. It's called the Passover table where they eat a lamb and there's some very specific things that they've got to do. And one of the things they do is they take the blood of that lamb and they paint it on the, outs on the outside of their doors. And God says, actually, unless you've got that, the angel is gonna, of death is going to come and it's going to kill every firstborn child that hasn't got that blood painted over its doors. It's quite gruesome. And what happens is Pharaoh says, okay, that's it, you're out of here because his firstborn son dies as well. And, Sarah, and, and so they get out of there. So they leave, they leave Egypt and, and, and that was this powerful moment, this Passover meal. And when God says to him, he says to him, now I want you forever now to enjoy this Passover feast, this table. I want you to sit at this table year after year after year because you need to remember what I did for you, how I got you out of Egypt and my blood is for you, not against you. And so he gets them out, they cross the Red Sea, big story, big Red Sea, the, the Pharaoh changes his mind and starts chasing them across the Red Sea, and they get across the Red Sea, and the sea closes over Pharaoh, and their past is behind them, and now they've got a future for the land. They then go to Mount Sinai, where again, they enjoy the Passover meal. After that, they get, they get the laws, they get the, the laws are not bad things. This is God trying to teach his people how not to be slaves. How to not live lives of slavery, but to live as his people, distinct from the other nations. He then takes them to the edge of the promised land and they send 12 spies and, and 10 of them come back with a bad report. And the bad report is the giants are huge and when they look at us, we like grasshoppers in their eyes. Two of them come back with, listen, there's giants there, but bro, you've got to see the size of the grapes. It's off the charts. So 10 of them see giants, two of them see grapes. And they say, no, 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 there are giants there, but God will, oh, will, God will give us strength. God will help us. We'll get victory over them. We've got to go, and this is the land that God's got for us. Anyway, because of the unbelief of the others, God says, right, what I'm going to do now is I need faith for you to live in that land. If you, don't, if you don't understand what I'm calling, if you're not in faith, actually what's going to happen is you're going to cross over there and they're going to extinguish you as a people. They'll just obliterate you and then my people are gone. He says, no, 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 actually what I'm going to do is you're going to, this generation is going to die out wandering around the desert for 40 years. And so the fighting men of that generation, they, they're gone. Except Caleb and Joshua. This is now Joshua, Joshua chapter 5 that we're going to read now. So Joshua eventually gets to after 40 years and God, God says to the people, he says, listen guys, it's time to go. 
Let's get there. The problem, though, is there's a flooding Jordan River because it's harvest time. And the river always floods when it's harvest time, that time of the year. And Joshua's like, okay, Lord, great, but can you see the stream of water in front of us? How are we going to do this? God says, no, don't worry about that. Just take the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, put it on, your, on the priest's shoulders, and as they come into the water, it'll, it'll, it'll part for you. So they do it, they go in, and it's, the scriptures say, as their toes touch the, the water, the water backed all the way up to a town called Adam. And they crossed over on dry ground. Dry ground. You see, this was the saving grace of God for them, this people. That's why it backed up all the way to Adam. They, did, they had done absolutely nothing other than listen to God to go and cross the river at that stage. It was a grace of God. It, it's your love is an open Jordan. We sing in that song. This was the love of God taking the people into an inheritance over an impassable river. You see, this generation of people now have to learn what the previous generation did. They crossed the Red Sea. They had to learn the saving power of God, the awesome power, the greatness of our God, where nothing is impossible, where actually this God delivers, this God redeems, this God not only gets you out of Egypt, but takes you into something. They get to the other side, and it says, as they got to the other side, the river came back into flood behind them again. You see, this grace of God only works one way. You can't now, hey, Lord, actually, I don't like Canaan. I'm going back. Please part it again. No, it doesn't work like that. Thank goodness it doesn't work like that. Because once you're in, once the love of God has gripped your heart, the grace of Jesus Christ has taken hold of your heart, friends. It never lets you go. It never, ever lets you go. So there's no going back. No going back. You've got to go forward now. That's why you've got to have faith to go across. So they get across, and it says there, the people in the, the areas, the, the, the Canaanites and the Jericho was right there. They were looking at Jericho from this side of the river, thinking, oh, how are we going to get through those oaks? How walls and jeepers, what's happening? And it says the people there were absolutely scared to the point that they lost their spirit with a small s. It's like God took their breath away. They were so scared. And if you, the Israelites now, remember now there's, a, there's a whole generation of, of, of young fighting warriors ready to go. It says they crossed over the Jordan with their swords and with their military might moving. These people see God do this stuff. They're, oh, how, how can we ever come against this? If this was a moment, if this, there was a moment to actually take a land when the, when the enemy's morale is finished and done, this was it. They'd lost the battle before they even started it, the enemies. God says this, put your swords down. I want you to all get circumcised. Circumcised. I want you to get circumcised. You've got to remember who you are. But more than that, you've got to remember whose you are. You see, friends, our identity, the identity question shouldn't be who am I, Lord? The identity question should be whose am I, Lord? We find our identity because of who he is, not because, and then we find out who we are. Who we are and whose we are. Whenever our kids, Natalie, 
goes out with her friends. I say, we say this, remember who you are and whose you are. Got to remember who we are and who's we are. And then, and then they get, and it says there that now, listen, you've got the whole army incapacitated, walking very, very gingerly because they've all been circumcised. And friends, when your mind, don't think like this, this is a family like of, of 20, 30, 40, 100 people. There are millions of them. Millions. They came out of Egypt, two million. By the time 40 years there and a couple guys died and there's whatever, it's millions of people. Millions, uh, hundreds of thousands of fighting men that get circumcised. Then God says to them, I love what he says, and he says they waited there until they were healed. And then God says to them, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And then he says, now I want you to enjoy Passover. It's an amazing thing, for 40 years they had not had Passover. They had had, this was the third time they were going to have Passover. Once in Egypt, once at Mount Sinai, and for 40 years, no Passover. For 40 years, no circumcision. You had to be circumcised to have Passover. 40 years, no Passover. And God says, listen, before we move into this land, not only do you have to remember who you are and whose you are, but you have to remember you sit at the table in the midst of your enemies with Jericho looking on. You've got to know who I am and who's fighting for you. And they enjoy Passover. And then, then Joshua goes on a walk, trundling around. He's thinking, Jericho, Lord, how? Okay, I know you're with me. I've obeyed everything, Lord. But Jericho, Lord, how's it going to happen? And as he's walking towards Jericho with Jericho in his sight, a man stands before him with his sword drawn. It's not a toothpick, it's a proper sword. He's standing there with his sword drawn. And Joshua goes to him and he says to him, Who are you? Are you with our enemies or are you with me? You know, what the, you know what the man's answer is? No. Like, doesn't really answer the question. Because you see, the wrong person was asking the question. He says, no, I am the Lord of the heaven's armies. Joshua realizes, uh-oh, flat on his face, he worships him. He realizes, actually, I've just walked into God. I've just walked into Jesus. I've just walked into this angel, this, this God-like, Christ-like figure. And he asks him the question, please speak to me, what must I do? You see, friends, when you're facing Jericho, it's not ask, asking God questions. It's saying, God, please speak to me. Tell me what to do. Tell me, speak to me. And he says, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. You see, when God's with us, friends, a pagan land can become a holy land. When the presence of Jesus is with us, a pagan God, a pagan land, a, 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 a non-godly area can become holy. And that can be in your office at work. It can be in your friend's home somewhere else. It can be wherever you are. 
when the presence of God is there with you. And remember, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, so you carry the presence of God with you. This place becomes holy. You take your shoes off. So the four things that God does to prepare these people is one, the first thing which I actually forgot to tell you, is when they cross over, he says, when you're crossing over, I want you to take four, I want you to each take 12 rocks from the middle of the, of the Jordan. From the middle of the Jordan. And what I want you to do is I want you to create a memorial stone out of those 12 rocks so that you never forget what happened at Jordan, in the Jordan. And when your children come and say, what does this mean? You can say, this was the place where God backed up Jordan, the Jordan, so we could come through on dry, dry ground. So there's four things that we need to have in our hearts to not only take hold of our inheritance, but to keep hold of our inheritance. One, we can put them up there, is you've got to develop and have a holy memory. Number two, we've got to know about the circumcised heart. Number three, we've got to know what it is to sit at the Passover feast, the feast at the table with Jesus, which now becomes the communion table, the Lord's table, the body and the blood of Jesus for us, so much more than what they had. And number four, we've got to encounter God. You've got to remember whose victory this is, whose battle this actually is. So number one, just very quickly, as we get into this, holy memory. You know, friends, when it says develop this memory, it's not just a memory, it's just, it's a, that memory actually is a gratitude, it's a thankfulness, it's to remind you of what God has done in your life. Friends, your crossing of your Jordan, which is what Jesus went and got baptized in the middle of the Jordan, the same Jordan that they crossed, and some commentators would say in exactly the same place that they crossed over, Jesus was baptized. I want to tell you, friends, if you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized. And I also want to remind you, if you have been baptized, the devil can take everything from you, but he cannot take your baptism away from you. Your baptism is like, a, is like, a, like the stones. It's like this moment of actually I died with Christ and I was raised to life with him and God grafted me into heaven's, into heaven's army and he grafted me into the church. We've got to develop a holy memory. You've got to remember what God has done for us, friends. Don't forget. You've got to write these things and it, and it says in the text, set up these rocks. It's like set it up. It's an intentional thing. What are the things that those big things that God has done for you that you should never forget about? You need to set them up in your home. Make a list on the wall or something. Do something that would remind you of the incredible blessing that we live under because of God's saving work. Friends, we've got to remind ourselves again of the immense privilege of being saved by God. It is no smaller thing that we are going to spend eternity with Him. It's no small thing. The fact that Jesus' blood was shed for you and you said yes to it and you put your trust in him is an immense thing, friends. It is the absolute privilege. It is a grace from God. It is the love that opened your love, opened the Jordan. We, God didn't first, we didn't first love him. He first loved us. We remember these things. We've got to develop a holy memory about what this is all about. Number two. Circumcision. You know, it wasn't circumcision itself that was the big thing. In later rabbinical kind of teachings, when Jesus was alive, it became about were you circumcised or uncircumcised? 
But when you look at back in the day with Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, it wasn't circumcision was an expression of faith. Because of your faith that you have in the covenant that I have with you, go and get circumcised. Circumcision was a common thing in those days. Many, many peoples had circumcision. But actually, for Jesus' people, it became the mark of God on his people because of the faith they had in their hearts. You see, when we see circumcision, we, now we don't get circumcised physically. We have a circumcision of the heart. And circumcision of the heart means this. I put my faith and my trust in God and God alone. You see, God has to remind this group of people that hasn't been circumcised, that, hasn't, that are not in faith. They're kind of 40 years in a dusty, hot desert. They're kind of thinking, does God really exist? Because listen, this can't be the right life for God's people. They cross the Jordan. They realize, oh my gosh, God does exist. Okay, now what we've got to do is we've got to put things back in order. This, this journey is about faith. And so God asks them to step back into faith and get circumcised as the sign of the incredible covenant that they have with him. You see, friends, all of us are to carry the mark of God. We carry the mark of God in the Holy Spirit. We carry this, we carry this, this the people of God are, are marked people. They're a marked people. We are a marked people. You've got to remember, when you're going into the land and there's giants there, you've got to know God is the covenantal promises of God are over you. You can put your faith in that and trust whatever comes, God's going to be there with you. Whatever comes, that God's going to be with you. It's the mark that God has over you, on you. They were marked by the sign of the covenant. This generation will know this, that we are God's inheritance. Do you know you are God's inheritance? God has put his hope in you. Quite a thing. God has said, actually, I'm going to put my spirit in my people and they're going to do it and take the land. This generation needed to know that they were God's possession. They were possessed, they were God's possession. You are my people. I'm going to look after you. I'm going to take ownership of you. They had to learn this, that God's promises from all those hundreds of years ago were still with him. This people were marked with the promises of God. You and I are marked today with the promises of God. If we're going to get into the land, you're going to know because some of those promises are going to get tested and challenged by the giants. You've got to know, actually, I'm a marked human being by the spirit of God and actually what the promises the ownership the possession the inheritance is mine he promised them friends in Genesis chapter 17 these are the promises of God that you may multiply greatly he promised them increase friends this is not prosperity hyper a faith come on now this is a solemn reality of what it means to be in, in, in covenantal blessing with God the promise of increase you will become a father, father of a multitude of nations, he said to Abraham. It is a generative promise. It doesn't just stay, it's generative, it's generational, it goes from one thing to the next. It's like a father moving forward, 
promise of God. There's also the promise of God this, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Exceedingly fruitful. There is a promise of fruitfulness. Even in desert places, there's a promise of fruitfulness. I will make you into nations, he told Abraham when he told him about circumcision. There's a promise over the, ch- over the life of God's people for influence in the world. Over nations. Influence. And he says this lastly, I will make kings shall come from you. There's a promise over God's people for leadership in the world. And he reminds these guys, remember this, you have been marked with increase. You've been marked for fruitfulness. You have been marked for influence. You have been marked for, for leadership. You have been marked for generative living. You've been marked with it under the covenant of God. So what it means to be circumcised in the heart. It also means that you to cut away the flesh. Fleshly living in the land is not going to help you. It's going to hinder you. Even the small stuff, friends. Don't, don't allow the small stuff to come in. The little fox comes in, the small fox, and it grows in your garden. And it can't get out because now it's too big to fit in the hole that it came in. It can't get out because it's too big to fit back in the hole. Friends, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we are submitted to God, submitted to the Spirit of God and not living by the flesh, not living by our own wills and our own power and our own strength and our own purposes actually we live for God's purposes by circumcision that's what circumcision means it means that we live a life of trust and surrenderedness to God we surrender ourselves to you it also means this have you asked the question ask myself the question why didn't they get circumcised on the other side of the river kind of would have made sense listen if you're going to incapacitate your army, do it on the other side of the river but when there's, an, when there's a flooding river between the enemy and you. Kind of makes sense. Do you know what God wanted them to know? When you are absolutely at your most vulnerable, I'll protect you. You see, vulnerability comes before victory in the land of promise. Friends, I'm telling you now, some of you men in particular, you need to start getting vulnerable with other men. Because you're living caged up with shame and guilt. And you're not living in the land that God has for you. Vulnerability comes before victory in the, in the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and then he rolled the reproach away from Israel. You see, this, this group of people weren't in Egypt. They were in the desert. You know what the problem was? Is the history, their history was in their hearts. Egypt was still in them, even though they weren't from Egypt. And he says, today, because of my covenantal promise, I've rolled away the reproach, the shame, the scorn, from your history away from you, and put a future in front of you. Circumcision of the heart. Incredible, eh? We had a, at a, a business people's prayer meeting this week. And we were praying. I felt God say this. Businesses, business, we, as Christians, we've got more faith to restore than we have for increase. 
So the, the, the gospel message is one of restoration and redemption. It's incredible. But it's also one of increase. We've got to have faith for God to increase us in business, not just restore us. If you've got faith for restore only, you'll always be in a cycle of needing to be restored. But if you've got a faith, of, a faith for God to restore you and increase you, means you come back into restoration, but then you expect God, and it's a posture, it's a faith, that God, you will continue to increase me. The, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. God is a God of increase. It's part of the promises, the covenantal pro promises of God. Circumcision of the heart is key. Number three, Passover feast. This generation had to remember, remind themselves, be reminded that they were back on track with God. The story that started in Egypt, they were part of that story and they've got the promises intact, the circumcisions intact, but the God of, of the Passover, the God that freed them from Egypt is the same God that is with them right now. The same God that they could eat with then is the same God that you can eat with now. This group of people had to rem remember that. And they had to be reminded again that it wasn't their story, it was God's story. And that they were part of God's story. It wasn't them deciding they needed an inheritance and asking God to open the way for them. It was God opening the way for them and saying God inviting them to be part of the story. We are not the main actors of the story of God. God is the main actor. Jesus is the main actor. We are the supporting act. And we play and we take our tune off of him. These people had to remind, be reminded again of that because of this. And the Passover meal was part of that. They had to be reminded that feasting at the table with God was central to their being. That is why we've done holy table, friends. That is why God's led us that way. Because that feast, that moment around the table with each other and at Jesus, with Jesus, is powerful. That's why hospitality continues to be powerful. They had to be reminded again because at this Passover meal, at the, the breaking of bread, at, for us it's the breaking of bread, it's the blood and the body of Jesus. They had to be reminded again that your past deliverance is one thing, but you have a, an assurance of a future victory also. Had to be reminded again. You've crossed the Jordan, but that's not the end. There's future victory in place for you. The lamb saved you, but it also gave you strength for the journey ahead when you ate it. They had to be reminded of these things. They had to be reminded that I will continue to put a table in the midst of your enemies for you to feast at. At the unlocking, unlocking Jericho from their walls, they were looking at these guys having this feast. How can that be? Made them even more scared. They ate this feast tucked with their tunic tucked in. With their, with their shoes on and their staff in hand. They ate this meal ready to go into the land. Friends, when we, when we eat the blood and the, 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 the body of Jesus, it's not just for our past, it's for our present and for our future. And we eat it ready to move forward in God. They had to be reminded again of these things. Passover was key. It was a moment, at that moment, and it says, and they ate from that day after the Passover, they ate of the, the land. They, the manna stopped that was being put to them day by day. And they could eat of the harvest. Remember, it was harvest time. That's why the, flood, the river was in flood. It was that time of the year. And so they ate of the land for the first time. You see, something had to shift in their minds that I'm no longer a collecting people, I'm a cultivating people. 
I'm not a baby that just gets given to eat for today. No, no, no. God expects me to grow up as sons and daughters to become moms and dads. And I've got to learn the processes of God because the processes of God include plowing. The processes of God include preparing. The processes of God uh, um, include planting. The processes of God include pruning. The processes of God to growth is in a process now. And I've got to learn to partner with God in this land so that I can be fruitful for the rest of my life. You see, it's a farming mentality. It's not a collecting mentality. It's not a beggar's, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a please give me a handout mentality. It's a farming, it's a cultivating mentality. And God tells him from this day on, that's what's for you. Be thankful, get your hearts ready, and make sure that you enjoy me because I'm central to everything you have. And lastly, an encounter with God. And friends, when I say an encounter with God, I'm not talking about having goosebumps goose flesh and falling over. If that happens, fantastic. Friends, this encounter with God was a major moment of repentance for Joshua. Remember, Joshua's seen this, got the t-shirt, he's 80 years old, he's been there, been that, he's been with Moses, he's been in the land. You would think that if anybody has got this thing, Joshua would. But God has to remind Joshua once again with his sword drawn, remember I am God, not you. He has to remind Joshua, remember God, remember Joshua, I'm already here. This is not you pioneering, it's me going before you. There's a deep moment of repentance where suddenly I think Joshua realizes again, yes, Lord, never let me forget that this is your story, not my story. Never forget me, let me forget. Even though I think I've got a great army and I've got great resources, your heavenly army with their swords drawn are the ones that are going to bring Jericho down. It's not, you see, Joshua didn't bring Jericho down. God brought Jericho down using Joshua. And he wants to remind them because this is the battle you're going to fight. This is the moment that you're going to have. You're going to need to understand this throughout the land. God is already there. Joshua fell flat on his face and worshiped him. Friends, staying in the land, worship of God. Not just singing songs, everything we do, it's in worship of Him. And remembering this, that, you're, that the, the, this pagan land that you're in, this dirty land that you're in, this land that has no bearing or understanding of who God, Yahweh is, take your shoes off. Just take your shoes off. Because actually the land that you're in, it's, it's, it's holy. It's holy. The swords of the angels are in the land already, friends. It's a holy land. God's going to fight for you. It's unique. It's, it's there ready for you. As, as unique as every one of our inheritances are, and as unique as the inheritance that God has for us as a church. It's holy. You take your shoes off. No, no army goes into battle with no shoes. But with God, you can, because it's him that's before you. So God has to remind these people of these four things. Remember, remember, never forget the holy memory, the, the be grateful, gratitude of what God's done. Make sure that you deal with your heart. It's an amazing thing. The first battle, they go over, they hit Jericho. Straight after that, they've got to go to Ah. But one person forgets about the circumcision of the heart. And he takes what is not his, and it ends up bringing defeat until they sort it out, and then it goes back into victory. Circumcision of the heart. 
The next thing is we enjoy the Passover. Remember, this is about the centrality of the blood, the body, the work, and the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. We can do nothing without Jesus. He is central. And lastly, we need an encounter with God that changes our lives. We need an encounter with God that brings deep repentance. When Paul had that, this is Mark Wilson's uh, bit into this preach. When Paul, when Saul had that moment when he was struck down, he asked two questions. Who are you, Lord? Exactly like Joshua did. And what must I do? Exactly what he did. And then straight after that moment of encounter of, that God, he has with him, he tells him, this is how you're going to defeat Jericho, and he gives him the plan. Friend, God wants us to live in a land that is fruitful, abundant, with all the promises of God, and he's preparing us to do this. It's so exciting. I hope you're excited. It's challenging, but it's incredibly exhilarating. Let's go into the land and worship him for all he's worth and see him come before us. I cannot wait to see the Jerichos come down in your lives. I cannot wait. A man today, this week, in this church, was in so much debt with an electricity bill, he, it was unable, he, they didn't have electricity for five months. And one of his friends got together with a group of other friends and within two weeks paid the whole it off. That last week, last night or the night before was his first bath in hot water. It's a victory. Come, Lord. Many of those victories, friends. Many of those victories. Met this, met this week with a man that felt like he couldn't come back to church because he hadn't been at church and his marriage was in trouble. And, and I had to say to him, you know what? The place you need to be is back in church with these God's people. You are, a you are a faithful man. You are a fruitful man. You are a man of integrity. You are a generous man. Get with God's people and start to live your part. Victory. Just one story after the next this week. I've just had this incredible moment. A man moved from, his business went under, or nearly went under. He had to almost go into liquidation, and he was looking for premises, and he ended up going and finding premises down the south coast, and, and he's realized, actually, I need to be back in the middle of what, the business here. But it means it's going to cost me an extra thirty or 40000 for rent. And he comes in, he says to me, Stan, I don't know. I haven't got... I haven't got faith. I used to have faith for this, but I haven't got faith. I'm like, I'm losing my nerve. Pray. This week, a bunch of his friends, a bunch of us, went and prayed in his new building that he's taken the step of faith to say, God, I'm stepping into this. You've got to, I'll be trusting you. <laughs> Victory, friends. Victory, friends. Incredible inheritance in God that we have. Bless you. Let's walk in together. Amen.